Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you for being here today. Good to, to be together. Hope it's been a good week for you. Those of you who enjoy basketball, are you just loving life? <laughs> We've had some tough, the brackets are just being blown up, but, uh, but how fun to, uh, even if you don't enjoy basketball, to get caught up in the storylines of an underdog team, you know, no name from nowhere, that, that pushes this brand name team to overtime and then takes them down. And just the, uh, the joy of those moments, it, it's, it's tram, just fires you up for, for our everyday life. Well, as we're in Acts, I was thinking that the perfect parallel is the first century church is they're the ultimate underdogs, aren't they? I mean, they are outmatched in every category. And yet, as we get into this text today, there is a, it's a really cool awakening that, that happens. And it's almost like a shade, God is drawing a shade, letting us know and letting the leaders of that day know they are not underdogs. The first century church is anything but underdog. What's the word? that will appear in this text, and I hope will just encourage your heart today as a follower of Jesus and as part of his church. This ecclesia, this, this group of called out ones, they are not underdogs. They are unstoppable. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to stop them. But the question is, how do we live as unstoppable witnesses when we face resistance? Throughout the book of Acts, we see resistance coming, and here again, resistance will hit this this first century church and yet they remain unstoppable in their witness they don't back down now the uh much quoted uh mike tyson mike tyson's most famous quote is everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth (laughs) and so true you know you can have your plan but whack you hit that resistance how do you keep on how do you endure and so it is for us in our walk with christ when we set out to go be a, a witness for our Lord, we know the enemy is going to pop us in the mouth. And yet, how do we keep on, how do we endure in those moments? And what we're going to discover in this text is a truth to, to just claim and apply to our lives, and then four moments that lead us to a, make a resolution, even in these moments of quiet this morning, that we would resolve in our hearts um, these resolutions that we might be unstoppable in our our witness for our Lord. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and and read through the entire text, and then we'll break it down. So if you would join me in Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Luke writes, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. The apostles had just been doing signs, wonders, and teaching. Interesting that the jealousy piece comes out. And then the other note here is they put them in public jail. So there's, there was a place you could put people that were, was more private. But this, the point of public jail was this was a visible place where those watching would see, don't go this route. They're trying to discourage people. If you align with this teaching, you align with these people, um, This is what happens to you. So they're seeking to squelch it. Verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail 
and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts. So go right back to the home court of these people who put you in the jail. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Don't you love that word for describing Christianity? Early on it was called the way, and other um, scholars felt what they called Christianity was the, uh, the new life, or the life. It was a name for following Christ. Pretty cool. So when do they go back to the temple courts? I love this. At daybreak. <laughs> They're like chomping on the bit to get back in there. And they go back, daybreak to the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. Remember, that's the Supreme Court of the day, 70 plus 1 high-powered people, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. So go get those guys, bring them out. But in arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, no one was inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and yelled, or, and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts where they should not be standing and teaching the people, saying what they should not be saying. And at that, the, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, they said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. Whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior. That he might bring Israel to repentance and the forgiveness, forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And there's our word again for this series and for our calling. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. So here they have an opportunity to turn. They've heard the word from God, the, the clear teaching. So what do these, these guys do, these leaders? When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, does anyone know where else Gamaliel shows up? Interesting deal. Who, who was Gamaliel's, one of his students, or Gamaliel was this, Paul, yeah, who was Saul, but studied under Gamaliel, one of the, the best teachers of the day. He was a teacher of the law. It was honored by all the people. He stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that these men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you, are about, what you intend to do to these men. So let's think about this. Some time ago, Theo, Theudas appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him he was killed and all his followers dispersed with him and it all came to nothing after him Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of, of the census and he had a band led a band of people in a revolt Josephus the historian tells us it was about taxation but he too was killed and his followers were scattered therefore in this present case I advise you 
leave these men alone. Let them go. For their purpose, if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail, like the previous two guys. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them, and they let the apostles in and had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. We can fly by this moment of flogging, but I just want to pause for a moment and let us feel what these guys went through. To be flogged in this day was, it was, scholars feel it was the 40 minus 1 lashes, where you would take a, uh, a whip made out of a calves hide, three strands of this, and they were meant to uh, cut and injure your flesh. And the way they would do it is they would give you uh, two lashes on your back, so whap, whap, and then one across your chest. Those who endure this often, uh, or not often, but, but some were known to actually die. You would bleed out, but, but for sure by the end of it, you are bloody. And so you just pause in, in this. You would do this three lashes 13 times. So imagine Peter, just a whap, whap, crossed his back, whap, chest, there's one, whap. Thirteen times. I think, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? If it happens to you, but, but I think where it really gets real is when I'm watching my brother. This was the, the apostles. It wasn't just Peter and John. It was a number of them. And I'm watching, I'm watching Tyson take this. And I'm watching them call Wes in and take this. And I'm watching them call Kyle in and my brother Rob, I'm, what are you, I'm wanting to fight. I'm mad, hurt. Possibly, what, what would you be feeling in these moments? Maybe even some fear entering in. Um, discouraged. What would, you, what would I want to be responding with? I think, you know, certainly some revenge, but even, do we back down a little bit here? Do we uh, go underground, go silent? So what are these guys doing? This is the pinnacle of the moment, pinnacle of the text. And as you think about our word for the day, unstoppable, this is just, oh, so encouraging, so inspiring. 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus. So did they stop day after day? I love, I feel like Luke just wants to emphasize, it was day after day, day after day, day after day, in the temple courts, the home court of their opposition, they show up, and from house to house, they never stopped. Teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Salvation is found in one name only, Jesus Christ, and through faith in him we receive forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and they would not stop giving witness. And we are here today because of these guys and their love for the Lord and their love for the people around them. 
to be unstoppable as a witness, answering the call of God on their lives. Uh, can you feel the encouragement already just welling up in your heart? As you see their example and, and what we are following, what we've been called into, and the beautiful truth to claim today is that, guys, we are part of something that is unstoppable. Death can't stop it. Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against it, meaning death and all of its, the forces of darkness behind death, are impotent. And, and what, that's what we'll see. They, they tried killing Jesus. We've we got to kill him. And what happened? Rose from the dead, it goes. They will eventually kill these guys, these disciples. And what happened? It just goes. Death can't stop it. We are part of something that is unstoppable. And I think here God wants us to, to be reminded of this and to live, apply this truth to our lives as we go out as his witnesses. There should be a boldness and a courage. What we see here is a power play, and we see the religious leaders saying, we're in charge. We're going to put you in a jail, and we're going to lock the doors. And what's, the Lord is lifting the shade. Who's in charge in this scene? Who's in charge? Who's in power, really? The Lord unlocks the door of the jail, like, hey. And as the apostles walk in, and you get the 71 power people, who's really in charge? Jesus said, all authority I have given you in heaven and on earth, you go as my disciples, as my witnesses, and make disciples of all nations. Guys, we walk with the authority of the living God. We don't cower. We, uh, we walk in his strength, in his power. As we go into a world that Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so, question though is, how do we live with unsure? With, as an unstoppable witness when we're facing that resistance at the personal level because it can be intimidating. You go out into work environment and school environment and, and out into our everyday lives. So in this scene, what we'll do to help us pack it, pack it and, and uh, apply it to our lives is we'll look at four pictures and we'll attach a, the resolution to a picture. It's easy to call a picture to mind and then try to remember, okay, what was the truth that went with that picture? And so in this scene, we see four very tangible uh, pictures, and so we'll, we'll put a resolution with each one. The first resolution is, or the picture is the jailbreak. So we'll, uh, and the, here's the resolution. Resolve to keep in step with the unstoppable one. And so as we follow our Lord, he will lead us to places that we may not want to go. He led these, these disciples into a prison, but... Uh, but the prison break reminds us that um, the goal is not where we're at or the context, but, but just following the Lord through whatever place he takes us. So they're in the prison, but then he, he takes the unstoppable and leads them out of the prison back to the temple courts, which it could be an uncomfortable place to be. But the goal is just keep in step with him. Back to verses 19 to 21. It says, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And so here we have the unstoppable one, the Lord, leading them, guiding them. At daybreak, what do they do? They follow him. They go back into that place that they would face resistance, and they're faithful to do what they had been told. The, uh, what encourages me there is just their willingness to go back to the temple, <laughs> like, the Lord says, I want you to go right back to the 
part of the, the resistance. And there they are at the temple. What time of day? Daybreak. Just, all right, obedient. Why? Because they know I'm following the unstoppable one. Like, he's got this. And my faith is in him. My trust is in him. And so they go. And what an encouragement for our lives as well is we sense the Lord nudging us to go into that place that we know there's going to be, may not go well and may face resistance. And it's a scary moment, but just to know I'm following the unstoppable one. It's where I'm going to go, faithful and obey him. Second resolution is found. So we have the jailbreak moment that brings to, to mind this resolution. The second resolution, the picture is the courtroom. And the resolution is this, resolved to uh, obey God rather than humans. The text, verse 27, he goes on and says, The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And here comes the resolution. Peter says in the apostles, we must obey God rather than human beings. And so the resolution, the courtroom, is resolved to obey God rather than humans. You can feel the heat of their passion and really the, the steel of their resolution as, as they say, we've, we've decided that when it comes to whether we obey God or humans, we must obey God. Our decision has been made. We're not stopping we will be unstoppable in our witness. And what a courage-instilling uh, moment for us. Think about the most intimidating of human situations. I, I think they're in one. I, I don't know if you've been in a courtroom setting. I had the opportunity a couple years ago to, to job shadow our uh, Andrea Arfa as she was prosecutor. And I sat behind the, the, uh, where the defendant and the defense lawyer, the bench where they were sitting, I was on a bench right behind them. So the judge was looking my way, and all day long it's guilty, guilty, guilty. And, and by the end of the day, I am so intimidated by one judge, I'm ready just to confess. I don't know what I'm guilty of, but I'm guilty. <laughs> and, and forgive me, and I'll pay my time. And, uh, but, but it was one judge, and I'm, you know, feeling nervous and intimidated. And, and man, these guys... What, what an encouragement, though, as they keep their eyes on the judge rather than human, the human court and say, we, we have decided that we will obey God rather than human beings. And may we resolve in our own hearts to do that as well. The third resolution we see, the picture is the empty tomb and our risen Lord. The text that goes on as they share the gospel, verse 30, says, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross, but God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring uh, Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to, the, to those who obey him. And the, uh, notice when he, uh, they give their witness, what is central in their thinking? The first place they go that I think it's a clue to us what needs to be central in our thinking and it's the resurrection God raised him from the dead they're thinking about the risen savior they've seen him the empty and for us the, the picture is the empty tomb and our risen savior standing next to that tomb they go on to talk about or reference his ascension they had witnessed the ascension 
And he says, we're witnesses of these things. We've seen these things. And so the, the resolution is, I, I've seen, as I think about the empty tomb, I think about my risen Lord, I will be his witness. I will be his witness. That's what I've been called to do. Therefore, I'm not backing down from this. It's interesting, he says, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Have you ever had the thought, man, I wish I was like Peter and John and I could have just seen Jesus like Thomas and put my finger in his, touched him, you know, and, and ate with him and seen the risen Lord and how much stronger of a witness for him I would be. But isn't it interesting that they say we are witnesses of these things. They've seen him. But Jesus told them, your experience of me, touching me, eating with me, seeing me, it's not enough. Don't go out and try to be my witness until you have received the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, which we have. And it just encourages me that what's more powerful than even our experience? The power of God dwelling in us through his Holy Spirit that we have, guys. And what an encouragement to us. We have the Holy Spirit for the purpose of standing strong in our witness that Jesus has risen from the dead, we have eyewitnesses of this, but we've received his salvation, his presence, and we, um, this is our calling. So may we keep our eyes fixed on our risen Lord, the empty tomb, our risen Lord, and be a witness. And then the fourth, fourth resolution flows out of verses 40 and 41, where uh, he says, his, or it says, his speech persuaded them, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to su of suffering disgrace for their name. The fourth, fourth resolution is, the picture is this flogging moment, which is a hard moment to watch, but it leaves us resolving this, I will suffer for him. What is it that leaves them rejoicing to suffer disgrace? and shame for his name and it's uh, out of love for him being it's the chance to to join in that what paul calls the fellowship of his suffering or and in, in uh, philippians chapter 3 last year this time we looked at what we called the j curve that is just part of the christian life where jesus said you will experience a cross or suffering this this dip down here but in that dip what does he promise us in the valley of our suffering he promises us his fellowship, his presence. What do we know about this moment when they were being flogged? The living Christ was ministering his presence to them in a way that perhaps they had never experienced. And what, what did they know in that moment was glory's coming. The J-curve where it goes suffering, then glory. And they were claiming the promises that he had given them, where he told them, guys, when you... In Matthew chapter 5, you will be persecuted, but when you persec are persecuted, rejoice. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. They had taken their eyes off the temporary, even temporary health and, um, that they were experiencing, and they were fixing their eyes on the eternal glory that God would give them as a result of, of their willingness to suffer. I love the way Paul says this, and, or captures this moment, in his own life, as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. And 
he earlier describes the suffering that he was experiencing, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is uh, unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so the question today with these pictures in mind and these resolutions in mind, am I a unstoppable witness? Am I ready to be that? As resistance comes my way, will I be an unstoppable witness for my Lord and Savior and with the love for the people that he's given me the opportunity to, to point to him? And I think the encouraging uh, and just inspiring part of this text is God's will for you and for me is that we would be. And so today we are going to, an action step out of this day is that we're going to launch our Go Reach training plan. If you look at this text as a bit of a, a training plan helping us be mature and, and a teleon, the thing about spiritual fitness, it's a lot like physical fitness in that it's daily. You know, it, it's not like you can, uh, unfortunately, with it's not like we can just hit a point of daily fitness and now we're there. You know, we have to continue to look at our diet and look at our uh, workout routine and, and stay fit. So it is spiritually and so it is as we set out to be a witness. So we put together this, really it's, it's a conglomeration of God's word aimed at this whole idea of being a bold witness or an unstoppable witness. Put this into a 21-day training plan and um, we're going to challenge all of us to be a part of this. So uh, you can sign up. We have several ways to, to sign up. I think the next slide, you can scan this uh, QR code and, and you can sign up for it. And then other ways, on your, uh, if, if you don't want to do anything technologically, we've got a uh, sheet in front of you that you can fill out. And it also has the QR code, but the welcome card. Turn that in at the guest services and, and we'll get you up to speed. We'll send that on, out an email this afternoon that will have a link where you can sign up. But the purpose of signing up is, it will set you up for a daily text that over the next 21 days, it'll be, it has a video clip of 60 seconds of encouragement from one of the, our pastors that will walk you through the content of the day. And each day there's a question, a truth to, uh, to just fuel you, and then an action step. And what's neat about these action steps, we, we've all concluded, most of us don't need another class in evangelism. We just need to go get her done. <laughs> and so what these it'll push us and so with this push in mind we'd like to challenge everybody to do this with a training partner Jesus sent the disciples out in twos it's the Christian life is lived in twos so say well I don't really I'm going to pass on the training partner thing can I encourage you to push yourself on this and not let yourself off the hook and just say no I'm going to get a, a training partner for encouragement and accountability last time uh, Steve Clark wasn't even here but he texted Bonnie when we were getting this going and said, hey, tell Pastor John, I'll be his partner. And it was so fun to get to go through the 21 days with, with him. Got to pray for his friend, and he challenged me, and, and um, just a neat, neat opportunity. So pick somebody to train with. Say, can it be my spouse? Hey, whatever. Whatever you think is good. But, uh, but So get a partner, and then um, let's run together. The first seven days are aimed at praying it. We know the only way that our witness is effective is if God gives grace to us as a witness and opens the heart of the people that we're around. 
And so it, it really focuses on just praying it. The second seven days focuses on saying it. Uh, Peter says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. So this is where we're, we're getting the message really clear in our mind. Isn't it interesting that when you are prepared for something, you're excited about it? But when you are not prepared, it's so intimidating. Like, we've all been there where we've been prepared for a test. And we've studied for this test. We know it cold. And when that test day comes, what, what do you feel when you get ready to go do that test? Bring it. Knock it down. Mm. Feels so good when you're prepared. Then we've had those moments that we procrastinated and we come into that test like 40% ready, and what are you feeling? Oh boy, oh boy. It, it's miserable. Could it be we're scared to witness because we're not prepared with what we're going to say? And so seven days, we're going to get prepared. We're going to have it cold. We're going to be ready. Like, I, okay, I got it. Now, I'm just ready to share this with somebody. And we'll be praying for breaks. Lord, give me breaks. Help me not say what I want to say because I really want to say it. Instead of praying, oh boy, this conversation turns to God. I just hope I know what to say. We're like, no, I'm ready for this. Wouldn't it be neat if we're all in that moment? And then the last seven days are about living it. And these are where we're just going to push ourselves to be active and really awake to opportunities. And then when we see one and we're praying that God will just open up doors where people will be saved we will be unstoppable in our witness. Maybe just inviting somebody to come to Easter Sunday with us that we've been thinking about for a long time and, and watch God do what he, he will do. And so we're praying a harvest around this, excited for what, what he's going to do. You know, as I was soaking in this text this week, the, uh, the quote that just kept coming to my mind was James Russell Lowe's quote where he says, truth forever on the scaffold. So the scaffold being that flimsy, not really established structure. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. We live in a world where it feels like wrong is, is in charge. Yet that scaffold sways the future. And behind the dim unknown stands God within the shadows, keeping watch above his own. Church, are we an underdog? <laughs> It looks like it. Sometimes it feels like it. But we are unstoppable. Not because of our strength or our power, but because we are following the unstoppable one. Jesus is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. May that encourage you today. The question is, will I be an unstoppable witness in the face of resistance? And in this text, God gives us just these uh, pictures of, of his faithful witnesses, I think to encourage us today and to equip us. And So in these moments, in the quiet of this moment, I'd invite you to just make these resolutions in your own heart. And as we remember the jailbreak, resolve to keep in step with the unstoppable one, knowing he will, he will be faithful to lead. In the courtroom moment, resolved to obey God rather than humans. When given the opportunity to be a witness, to see our risen Lord, to see the empty tomb, and to be faithful, to point towards Him. And then the flogging, resolved to suffer for Him, so that we might go and reach the people that He's called us to go reach. 
So would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for preserving these moments for us through your word. And we thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts and lives through your word. And as Lindsay prayed to start this service, we know that we, as I look out and see eyes and faces, just know in this room there are, we all come out of weeks that have been different. We are all at different points in our journey with you. We all have different opportunities that we're facing this week, challenges, joys, and, and yet one thing we all share in common is that you've given us life and breath to bring you glory as we are faithful witnesses of who you are and what you've done for us. And Lord, I thank you for this calling, and this morning I pray that you would just firm up the resolution in our heart to be unstoppable in our witness for you. I pray even in this moment that you would bring to mind the people that you've placed in our life and in our path that, that you died for and that you love and you've given us the opportunity to point towards you and help us to be present with them. Help us to be sensitive to your lead when we're with them. Lord, we pray that you would open their hearts to the, the good news, the gospel, that you died for them. and You would give them the gift of faith and that they would turn to you. Lord, as we as a church family move into this season towards Easter and we launch this Go Reach training, Lord, I just pray that we'd all hit a witness pace that we, we've never hit before in our lives, not so that it could be anything about us, but that we would see a harvest, Lord. That's our heart's desire. Where people would step into the joy of knowing you and walking with you. We thank you for the promise of, of uh, your presence and Holy Spirit, we just thank you for uh, we treasure your presence and thank you for your help as we set out to go be a witness. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.